0: Welcome to the Sunday Nightcast. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Nightcast episode number 9. I am your co-pilot Danny Nanny. Find me on Twitter at Danny Nanny. And I have another co-pilot, Tom Boom Boom Dower, but he's not here. More on that later. Find him on Twitter, also at Jump. Tom Jump. Together we fly the ship that is the Sunday Nightcast, generally in the wrong direction than what it's supposed to be doing. Or where it's going. I can't even speak. That's fine. Thank you, listeners, for returning because we don't understand why you would ever listen to us. And for new listeners, you should probably get out why you can, but please don't. Each week, the Sunday Nightcast talks about video games with uh, some manner of degree of difficulty. Actually, not just video games, but the English language in general. But only because we love video games too much. Uh, This week, Tom's not here because as of like 15 minutes ago, he couldn't get his mic set up working. Um, He is texting me relentlessly about being sorry and how much he wants to be here so you should tweet at him and tell him that you hate him i'm kidding don't do that but uh tom will be here uh for our later in the week stuff but more on that um at the end of the show uh but basically uh just gonna be me uh just gonna get right into it so uh each week tom and i come up with a main topic to talk about for like 10 to 20 minutes or however long we feel like talking about it this week um with the nes anniversary um we're going to be talking about uh, the NES, the legacy that it has, and um, about the guy who designed it, uh, Masayuki Uemura, um, because I have mentioned before on the podcast that I do go to school. Um, that is something I do, but I don't think I've ever said what I'm going for, um, and it's relevant to this uh, subject because I'm attending NYU's Game Center um, with a master's in game design, and the reason I mentioned it is because they hosted a lecture this past week Um by uh, Masayuki Uemura, the guy who designed the NES, and I was able to go and uh, check that out. The lecture featured the description of Nintendo's early history and how they transitioned from playing cards and toys to digital electronics and Uemura-san's role in, the tra- uh, in this transition as head of research and development at Nintendo. Um, so it seemed like uh, a really good time to talk about that, um, today being the uh, 30th anniversary of the NES um, so let's, uh, let's kind of start uh, with the uh, NES and its legacy and how it basically saved console video games. Um, at the time, around you know, the early 80s, video games were being primarily played on the personal computer in the United States. Uh, but according to the lecture with Uemaru uh, San, the Japanese were unsure of exactly what a personal computer did ...and what it was, and they weren't sure about its place in uh, the market in their country... ...so they decided to make a brand new unit uh, to focus solely on games called the Family Computer... ...or the Family Con- Famicom for short. Um, the urban legend of Uemura San's wife coming up with the name Famicom... ...short for Family Computer is true, uh, as confirmed in the lecture. Um, when they brought it to the current head, or that current head of Nintendo... ...he just simply said no... Because uh, he didn't like the abbreviation and wanted to just stick with family computer and um however, the abbreviation ended up sticking around i'm not sure how it came about, but it just people were just calling it the family com Japan and it just uh, is unofficially known as that um but after that the uh early eighties saw a well documented video game crash of nineteen eighty three and by well documented I mean you can google it. It has its Wikipedia page. It has books on it. Um it was mostly in the US, but the European and Japanese markets um were hit pretty hard as well. At the time, uh they just believed that video games were gonna be a passing fad and people weren't gonna play them in the home anymore. There was no reason to have a an Atari or anything. Um there was just way too many games, there was oversaturation of of products and there was no quality control, no no, barriers anybody can make a game and post and, and release it retail if they had the ability and um it just led to an inundation of, of just crap on the market so people didn't want to they didn't want to buy anything anymore it just did, you know the market just crashed um and so nintendo being nintendo went its own way and decided that they wanted to make their own uh console um and they decided to start with the japanese market making the famicom and they decided that oh well we're going to bring it to the u.s market as well and they did a survey with nintendo of america and the evidence was that nobody wanted this console just even nintendo of america was like yeah nobody really wants to play this nobody wants to buy it they're moving on to a different thing different fads and in a typical nintendo-like fashion they did it anyway um They just knew, however, from the start that they were going to have to change the Famicom's design to appeal more for an American market. Um, And in the lecture, UEMRSN discussed how they decided to go with a front-loading system rather than the top-loading system, basically because the VHS was so popular in the U.S. And that also certain – this is weird. I I mean, I don't know how much of it's true because I'm not an engineering guy, but uh, he said at the time – the United States was so much more arid in most places than, uh, Japan. And so the circuit, the circuitry inside the NES, if it was touched by like a child's finger, uh, it would short out the system. So they, they basically had to make the system, uh, big enough so that inside was a long, so like when they front load it, the cartridge, you can get your fingers all the way to the circuitry because if you touched it, it would short it out. Which is so odd, but I mean, like the, to have the the foresight to think of that is just uh, obviously why he you uh, and Marisan is an industry legend, and I am not. But um, they needed to have uh, those small changes made, and it then and, and ended up being uh, an entirely different console than the Famicom. Um, and a, and then after that, retailers refused to carry the system. Uh, they just didn't want to carry a foreign product uh, after the Atari. The Atari was a, was a domestic product in the U.S. And, um, they just didn't feel the need to carry another, uh, system, especially one by a foreign, uh, foreign company. And the industry was seeing a rapid decline, but, uh, Nintendo decided to cut a deal with Sears that they would buy back every NES that they didn't sell. Um, and Sears initially said, that doesn't matter. We don't want to sell it anyway. Um, and then went back and forth and eventually Nintendo was able to get their NES on the shelf around 1985, and it turns out nintendo was kind of right because it sold like wildfire i mean it helped that it had prepackaged games such as duck Hunt or super mario bros but um it just proved that right then and there that uh, video games were not a fad and they were here to stay um and it was important for them Uh, it was a big step uh it basically revived this console market and did things that uh the atari didn't do especially because not anybody can make a game for the nes it required um being in touch with Nintendo and and uh, having their stuff approved. But what the most important part actually was Nintendo, every game Nintendo made themselves or that they published and had some hand in creating got the Nintendo seal of quality, which was important in the eighties because people were so used to the Atari having such crap games being marketed as the greatest thing of all time. And with the quality seal that Nintendo put out, it was very important for them because people were able to trust in the product. And it just led to um, a golden age, so to speak, of games constantly being well-reviewed and actually being fun to play. But on the engineering side, uh, Yuri Murasan, um, as I said, was the lead industrial designer on the NES and helped facilitate both the Famicom and NES designs, as well as working with notable game designers from the arcade era, such as uh, Shigeru Miramoto, to create hardware that allowed them to execute their design visions, which basically uh was important because now we can look back all the way to the 80s and so, and see that there was there was no software to design video games at that time um the technology uh that i you know that they talked about in the lecture that i heard uh was so was so early um, and basically Nintendo was using whatever they could find. Uh, they were using LSI screens for their uh, initial portable handhelds of Donkey Kong because that's what they had available to them because the, the, those calculators like the TI calculators were so popular and so numerous that Nintendo was able to get these screens for dirt cheap and then they just made circuitry to go with it to make it into a game. Uh, but it's important to look back because now we have uh, and traditionally in the arcade era game designers were electrical engineers. They had to use, They had to have knowledge in order to use the chips and make their own chips sometimes in order to make a game. Um, but now we have dedicated hardware designers working with game designers. So people finally are focusing solely on gameplay as a field, and people are, are focusing solely on the electrical engineering side. And it's important because now we can look all the way back to the 80s and see that um, dichotomy happening, and it i mean and with what better company to start that than nintendo not that they started it but you know they popularized it um and it's just it's just an important part of uh video games history that we have the diverging of designers and engineers um you're marisan an industry legend uh obviously uh was pretty candid during the lecture uh, also talking about the work atmosphere and life as a nintendo employee during the early days of that first console generation um basically he had a really funny anecdote about the, about what it was like to work overtime and when they worked overtime they didn't necessarily get paid more they got a free meal and so they would eat dinner and all the engineers would eat dinner together and they would sit down at a table over he specifically said that they would go for udon um And sit over these bowls of udon and come up with ideas and then they wouldn't want to go home because they'd want to go back to the lab and figure out a way to make these ideas possible so it's uh it's just you can see nintendo's work ethic and the kind of culture they breed as a company going so far back to the very beginning i mean nintendo is extremely long lived as compared to something like sony or or microsoft uh, 1886 i believe is the founding of nintendo uh, in kyoto and their headquarters is still there. Uh, and you Marisan made known that he would not have joined Nintendo, uh, when he did, if they were not in Kyoto, he simply didn't want to work. He didn't want to leave Kyoto, so he didn't care where he worked as long as it was in his hometown. And it just ended up being a, a stroke of brilliance that he ended up there. Um, as you can see, because now we were sitting here talking about something he made 30 years later, um, and it being revolutionary. So, um, it's the 30th anniversary of the Famicom. Um, yuomara is, like I said, an industry legend. And uh, it's just thanks to him that, well, and Nintendo at large, that we are able to sit here and have this conversation. So, 30 years, it's older than me. Not by much, but it is older than me. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, if you have anything to add to that, just tweet at us, let us know at Sunday Nightcast, at Danny Nanny, at Jump Tom Jump. Um, but we're going to move on uh, to some general news type things you uh, probably already heard about. So, Bungie announced Destiny's hard mode raid for King's Fall, or Destiny's hard mode for the King's Fall raid that uh, is going to be re- is going to be releasing a week early on October twenty third. It includes raid and exotic drops between a minimum of three ten and a maximum of three twenty light. Which means that before we were only able to get up to the three ten light, and now players are going to be able to get up to three twenty. Mind blowing! I'll probably still never going to get that ghost shell, but that's fine. Um, next valve steam controller or the heart valve steam hardware has a bug that does not allow it to work with a Macintosh system. So it's not easy to fix and they're going to ship without this fix. And they said that you, uh, players who have pre-ordered it and are receiving it and, but they cannot use them because they're using a Mac are being offered an extended return date. Or they can get Valve's entire library of games, quote, past, present, and future for free. So uh, I'd probably just have a... I would take a broken controller and take all their games. That's fun. But, yeah, that's a pretty nice offer. Uh, Next, we have, while the exact form factor isn't nailed down, a new report suggests Nintendo's new NX console will combine console and handheld console into one unit. Uh, This came out earlier in the week. It's interesting that they're going with this because... Nintendo also uh, filed a patent uh recently that is, is a patent go- that, that indicates that they're going back to cartridges for games rather than rather than uh CDs which is interesting because uh flash memory is so cheap now you can get it it's uh, you can get like a 32 gig uh flash drive for like I don't know, eight dollars. It's so cheap, and so the fact that they're, that video games might be going back to cartridges uh, is not is not mind blowing. Um, it's just interesting how this might work if the console is you have a home console and then a, a controller that's kind of handheld that you can take with you. Because does the game only go into the controller and then stream to the to the console? Now that makes a little bit of sense because the console is also room to not have a disc drive, but it might have a cartridge slot. So who knows? But Uh, e3 is less than a year away when they're supposed to unveil it but we'll see and uh each week uh in this segment this next segment uh tom and i try to break the mold of our normal play cycles and play something new and this is a weird week because we are both playing the same thing and we both kind of picked it up like separately it's not like one of us said oh i'm gonna play this and the other one's like oh i'll do that too it was kind of weird because i just mentioned it to tom in passing like hey i'm playing pokemon alpha sapphire again he goes oh crap now i'm doing i'm doing it too and i'm like oh we're doing the same thing but it's pretty interesting to pick up a pokemon game for the first time in months i played the crap out of x and y uh so i didn't really want to play alpha sapphire i got it the day it came out i was gonna get both and then i just decided to cancel my uh omega ruby one because i'm like i'll just play sapphire i'm not even that excited and I didn't actually play it. I think I put like five hours in it, didn't even play it that much, and then just left it there. And so now I picked it up again. And it's been so much fun. I just basically made sure I made a team of Pokemon I've never used before. And uh, just to play through the story, I'm not worrying about natures or IVs, EVs, and uh, abilities and all that stuff. And just playing the game. It's all, It's been a lot more fun this way. Uh, trying to just hunt down stuff for my secret base that's way more important to me than anything else in that game. Uh, Tom, I know, has been painstakingly trying to find a uh, pokemon that has the natures and abilities that he wants which is cool i don't play like that or at least i used to, i don't play like that now but yeah both of us are playing a uh, pokemon alpha sapphire um if you have any shinies please tweet at me because i might trade you one of mine for one of yours you never know and finally, this week, we're going to move into our uh, In Memoriam segment. Usually, we pick a game to go here that is notably great or notably bad, that is released the same week as our podcast, but from years ago. However, this being October 18th, 2015, it is the anniversary of the NES, the 30th anniversary to be exact. We talked about it, or I talked about it already at length today, um, the legacy of the NES and how it it can never be understated, its role and how Nintendo's freshman effort in the home console market created what we know as the modern video game industry. While video games were uh, popular before the NES in arcades and with the Atari, the NES came at a time where the future of video games uh, was murky at best and proved to be something that people wanted and it proved to be something that was irreplaceable in the home for uh, a number of years until its successor came out and it basically created the video game console boom of the 90s where even people were like bandai and apple were making things like the pippin and, and most of them failed but nintendo is still around today uh, you cannot deny uh, the legacy that is the nes so happy 30th anniversary and anyway, that's, uh, that's it for episode nine. It's a little shorter this week because it was just me. Um, but that will change because Tom will be back uh, next week for the podcast. But also this week, Tom and I are going to be streaming. Uh, it's something we want to do for a long time. We've been uh, struggling to figure out how best to do it. We're still not positive on when, what, and how. But we just know that we're close enough to be able to tell you that we will be streaming sometime this week. And it will be important for you to pay attention to our Twitter feeds um, and and just tune in whenever that happens. We don't know where we're going to be playing yet. We might be playing something single player together. We might be playing multiplayer together on something. Um, we're horrible at video games, so we don't know what we're going to play, but that's fine. Uh, but that's it. So thank you to our listeners for hanging out uh, with us slash me this week. Uh, it's, it's been a really important week for video games and with the with the anniversary of the NES, and it seems fitting to dedicate an episode to it, and even more so to uh, Masayuki Yomura since I was able to attend his lecture. But Remember, that's not it for us this week. Tom and I are planning a stream event slash playthrough of something yet to be determined. Stay tuned to the Sunday Nightcast on Twitter for that time and place. Have a good night.